Welcome to Kids Doc Talk with Dr. Jenny. Dr. Jenny is a board-certified pediatrician and is the director of telemedicine at Pediatric Associates. Welcome to Kids Doc Talk with Dr. Jenny. Today's guest is Mavez Ranola, a registered dietitian and director of nutrition services for Lutheran Services Florida Children and Head Start Program. Mavis is also a certified lactation counselor, yoga for kids and families teacher, Zumba instructor, and mom of two teenage kids. Welcome, Mavis. Hi, Mavis. Welcome. Hi. Nice to finally be here. Yes, I'm excited you're here, and it is Nutrition Month, um, so we're we're going to talk a little bit about that. But before we jump in, I I want to understand a little bit about kind of like your day job and and what it is that that you do. So help me out. Sure. So um, I am the director of nutrition services for a large nonprofit social services agency here in Florida. I provide um, oversight and support for two of our programs. So one of them is our child care food program, right? And that we are the largest sponsoring agency in the state. And our program helps daycare homes, right? Implement best practices to make sure that the children in their care um, receive nutritious foods, right? Um, And then, from those 400 daycare homes, they then receive reimbursement for meals and snacks that they serve. Um, so that's that's quite a number of, of daycare home providers that we work with. Another part of my job is with our Head Start program. We are one of the largest Head Start programs in the Southeast United States. We're funded to serve about 5,000 children and families. Um, and with that program, not only do we provide um, childhood early education, we provide health and developmental screenings, and of course, our balanced meals and snacks. Our kids get breakfast, lunch, and snack every time they are with us. Um, and we also have families with um, navigating through the health system, helping them find medical care, dental care, um, providing them with opportunities for um, learning about child nutrition, learning about child health child development um, because we know you know those first five years of life very important and we get a lot of these first-time parents um, that really need all the information that they can get so i love that i actually am a big fan of head start and just so for like my own education head start is totally separate from WIC, right like unrelated totally totally separate although a lot of the clients that we serve do get both um, the head start services and the WIC services but totally separate Okay. All right. Got it. So um, are you mostly like involved in actually creating like the, the meal plans and making recommendations to, to yes. um, the, right to, to the Head Start and to the Head Start program and like the, the pieces there. So um, I guess maybe let's start there. How do you approach like a, a meal plan to make sure that it's, it's nutritious and also interesting for the kids to eat? Yes, absolutely. So we know research shows that well-nourished children, they are healthier they're more attentive, they have um, better mental um, performance than children who are undernourished. So like I said before, the first five years of a child's life, they're very essential in preparing for their future, right? So when I'm planning a menu, I think about that, right? I consider the age of the children that we serve. Is it a classroom with 
one to two year old kids, toddlers, right? Versus a classroom with three to five year old preschool children. Because there's a big developmental difference between yeah. the two and, and, and as far as their um, um, eating is concerned. Um, I wanna make sure that I include uh, foods with good sources of vitamin A, at least two, three times a week. Now that's your, your carrots, your mixed vegetables, your spinach, right? Um, I include vitamin C sources every single day your oranges, your peaches, pineapple, broccoli, you know, the good stuff, right? And then iron sources every day too. I look at the menu. Um, I look to see, is there a variety? Is there, you know, what's the taste like, the color, the texture, the child appeal? Because just like us, we, you know, just us grown-ups, right? We eat with our eyes. Same thing with our kiddos, right? If something does not look good, the little kiddo may not want to try that, right? So, um, I look to see if there's variety, you know, I don't want to serve chicken every single day, right? There has to be a different main course every day. Um, I look at the color, right? I don't want the same kind of colors on the same meal. You know, I would not want to serve macaroni and cheese and peaches and corn in the same meal, right? I need some pop That's of a color lot of yellow. Here, right? <laughs> That's, That's a, a lot, lot of yellow, yellow right? Um, I look at the texture, right? There's some textures that um, a one-year-old may not be ready for that my four-year-old may be ready for, right? Um, so instead of apple slices for my 13-month-old kid, I might give that 13-month-old kid applesauce instead, right? So those are the different things that I think about. Um, being in a Head Start setting is really an excellent opportunity to make mealtime pleasant time right it's not just mealtime it's still educational time for us you know we teach our kids about table manners we teach our kids about saying please and thank you they have different responsibilities you know who's responsible for setting the table today right every child is responsible for throwing their plate away when when they're done or cleaning up a mess if they made a mess you know so it's not just um eating time right um we sit with the kids it's family style dining our teachers sit down with the kids and enjoy that meal it's conversation so there's lots of things happening during uh, classroom meal time in our in our Head Start classes. It sounds like there's a lot of parallels between what we advise families to do at home and how to set up meal time and how to like approach menu planning um, yep. to to what you guys are doing at Head Start. So how how do you kind of think about that? How do you work with families to make sure that all these wonderful habits that the kids are learning in the program are ones that are going to translate over to their their meals at home? Yeah. So we recognize that you know, nutrition, it plays an important role. And we will think of our parents as partners, right? We want the children to have the opportunity to eat nutritious foods with us and have those same experiences at home. So when the children are with us, we complete a nutrition assessment, right? Um, with all our children. And based on that assessment, we work with the families with whatever nutrition concerns they may have. So we address any inappropriate feeding practices um, or whatever nutrition concerns that they may have. We offer them nutrition counseling. You know, we have kids who may be on a therapeutic diet, right, because of a food intolerance or a food allergy, or it could be a disability, right? So those are things that we address with them. We have children who are underweight, who are overweight, who could be anemic, right? Um, so those are things that we offer counseling um, to those to those families. We teach our families about healthy eating. We teach them about negative consequences of sugar sweetened beverages, which is which I feel like is it's a big topic, right? Um, and and also how to select 
nutritious foods that meet their family's needs, not just nutritionally, but also their food budgets, right? Because that, because that's that's very important. Um, we also let our families know about community resources like WIC that they may not be familiar with or know how to apply or apply for SNAP, which is another resource that they may be eligible for. Um, so we talk a lot with our families um, and we have registered dietitians in, in our different programs to make sure that there's one available for them. So you mentioned bad, bad food habits, right? So when, when I think about that, when I heard that, what I'm thinking is like the parent that's running after their kid, trying to like spoon feed them while maybe like a TV is blaring and the kid is really trying to play. So I'm always trying to reinforce the idea that like mealtime should be dedicated mealtime, but it should be, you know, not stressful and, and drama free, which I know sometimes is very challenging. Is that kind of what you mean? Or are there other additional like bad habits that you really try to counsel against? Oh yeah, so uh, th that that's one of them. Um, or you know, just watching TV while the kids are eating, because then you're not paying attention to really what you're doing. You're not enjoying the taste. You're not enjoying, you know, just the whole pleasurable eating experience, right? Um, and and we do that too as as grownups, right? So we need to really. Um, build that healthy eating habit at, at home. Yeah. Um, we've, we've talked about picky eating on the podcast before, and I know that's, that's like a major concern for parents and one that comes up so frequently where like they, like maybe they're hearing this discussion and they're like, yes, corn and, and, and peaches and spinach and broccoli. Yes to all of that. But like, I know if I serve that to my kid, they're, they're just going to refuse. Right. And the common phrase that I often hear is they won't eat anything or the only thing they'll eat is and then insert like whatever chicken nuggets or mac and cheese or, or whatever. So I, I sort of have a what some might call a militant approach where I, I'm very into like, this is what you get and there's no backup plan and they should, there should be something on the plate that you know they will eat and they enjoy, but they're right, there should be a variety and if they don't want it, that's okay, drama free, but right, there there's no alternative offered and sometimes that's challenging for parents. Is that kind of similar? Because I imagine in maybe a Head Start program, that, that could be challenging to kind of enforce and implement. It could be challenging. So one of the things that we do is we offer variety, right? We, we offer variety. We know that accepting and eating a wide variety of food that happens over time, right? Especially mm -hmm. if you're new to a childcare setting. So when we introduce kids to new foods like vegetables, that can take some creative planning and again, meal pre presentation, right? So it's important that we keep a variety of foods that um, um, in our menus um, to keep the meals interesting and flavorful. Same thing at home, right? We have to keep it interesting. We have to keep it flavorful. Um, it also helps um, because, you know, not one food will give us all the nutrients that we need, right? So we have to have that variety. Um, each food has a unique mix of our macronutrients and our micronutrients, right? Our carbs, our proteins, our vitamins and minerals. So as teachers um, and as parents, you know, we have that important role in helping children learn about food. So we're responsible for providing that variety. We know that with variety, children are more likely to try new foods and to like more foods. So when they develop a taste for many foods, it's going to be easier for parents to plan their family meals, right? 
um, there are so many children who are hesitant to try a new food, and yeah. that's completely normal. It's that's normal. normal. Yeah, normal. I love that. I want to. I I love that you're normalizing that because I love normalizing it because I think adults sometimes forget that when we are introduced to new foods as adults, sometimes it's weird and you don't like stuff right away, and that's okay, right? Acquire taste. That's that's a phrase it's we often acquired. use, exactly. and I think we forget that foods that are common to us are, and are brand new to kids may also need that little bit of of right of, of time and wiggle room to just get used to exactly exactly so you know it's normal for kids to reject a food that they've never yes. tried before we have to remind our parents to just be patient and keep trying don't be afraid to mix things up children need at least five sometimes 20 exposures to a new food before they even want to try it. The first time it could be that they just look at it. That's okay. okay. The next time they might want to touch it. The next time they might smell it. It might take 10 times before they even try and taste it. They might taste it and they might spit it back out. That's okay. It's normal, right? Young children need to learn about their food, right? And that's just part of their learning. It's going to take a few times before they even try and take that bite. So good for parents to talk about the foods. Let's make it into an adventure, right? Let's read a story about it. Um, Let's talk about a new culture that has these types of foods, right? Let's talk about the color. Let's talk about how it smells. Let's talk about how it feels. Don't expect our kids to like everything. We don't like everything, right? Kids are allowed to have likes and dislikes, just like us. For sure. Normal. Yeah, I, I love all the kind of hands-on, right, that, that you're encouraging, right? Let's touch it, let's play with it, let's poke at it, let's read a book about it. Um, sometimes I'll often encourage families to get the kids involved in the food prep even right going to the grocery store and maybe picking out the foods and say like hey this is the vegetable aisle let's pick three like exciting new you know fun colored vegetables let's see if we can find a purple right fruit or vegetable today and um right kind of get 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 them involved in that so um i obviously we talked about picky eating that i would say is probably the biggest or rather most common challenge in terms of like right introducing diversity of foods and promoting healthy eating habits any other challenges that you kind of see with with the patient population that you serve? Sure. Um, One good challenge or one um, misconception that I hear a lot is um, growing children need all the calories that they can get. They're going to lose all that baby weight when they hit puberty. Right. So sometimes when I, you know, we we encourage our parents to come and and, you know, um, spend some time at the center. And sometimes I may get the comment that, oh, that's not enough food. Right. Um, And well, you know, I tell my parents, you know, it's true. Children need all the nutrients that they get because of the many changes that their bodies are going through. But they need to get those from the right sources, right? Mm -hmm. They need to get them from fruits. They need to get them from vegetables, healthy meats, not the processed foods because of, you know, so that they can maintain their healthy weight. So the amount of food that we serve really depends on the age of the child, right? They're thinking about their own portion sizes and not the preschool portion sizes, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So it might not look a lot, 
but it's really just the right portion for that toddler or preschool age, right? So a quarter cup of a vegetable is good for a three-year-old, um, but for us, for adults, it's half a cup, right? So there, there's, there's a big difference, right? It, it's good to offer them that right portion because it helps the kids learn, um, you know, to pay attention to whether they're still hungry, whether they're still full, right? The smaller amounts help them, you know, kind of, you know, just eat what their body needs, right? And, you know, if they're still hungry, they can ask for more, right? So, so you know, I tell my parents, you know, try to use smaller bowls, smaller plates for smaller portions at home. Let that child practice serving himself or herself food. You know, we're so afraid to make a mess, right? But that's how we're teaching our kids about those skills, right? They have to learn, they have to do it, and, and, and they're going to learn by doing it. Right. So and, and, and I also remind my parents, you know, don't force the kids to finish everything on their plate. Right. That's a big one. That's <laughs> a big one. We, we're very obsessed with that. And I understand why, because like we're like, don't want to be wasteful. Right. Or maybe we already made the mess. And so you, now you need right. to eat it. But but I agree. I think that hunger cues that you're talking about, like making sure they learn to um understand when they're hungry or understand when they're full that's a very challenging skill like that's a skill that as an adult right people are still working on. i'm definitely still working on this because when you have a cake you want to eat the cake like the the piece of cake it's, you're not necessarily thinking about like oh i don't really need any more cake um so i think it's a very important and useful skill to learn early on and sometimes that means not finishing what's on your plate which i think is like uncomfortable for us yes yes but you know um we never force our kids to um finish their plates we encourage our kids to try their foods it's their choice if they want to they they do if they don't that's okay we'll try it again next time huh? yeah that's a hard one so okay, so okay so picky eating right getting them to try a variety of food not making meal time stressful um a challenging one for me when i talk to families because i don't know that i have a lot of tools to to navigate this necessarily is food budget, right? If yep. we say, right, fruits and vegetables and whole grains, they're like, listen, I know, but all those things cost more than processed fast foods and or, right, if you have, right, work, working working families or, right, a dual working uh, parent household, you don't have time to sit there and chop up salad and it's much easier to just get takeout. So I think that those resources of time and money um, are sometimes very valid reasons that people aren't necessarily making the choices they want for their kids' nutrition. Right. I think one of the challenges, especially in our population that we serve, um, is definitely childhood food insecurity. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's definitely a big challenge. And I know in the last, um, some of the research that I've seen, um, that we have about 9 million children in the U.S. that live in food insecure households. So those are households that, you know, don't have enough food for every member of the family to lead a healthy life. Right. That's a large number. And we know that there are a lot of literature out there that links food insecurity and poor child health mm -hmm. and behavioral outcomes. Yes. Right. Um, the poor educational outcomes, um, poor health status, oral health problems, among other things. All the things. Which, All which, things. which isn't shocking. Right. When you're hungry, you don't really have room to think about anything else. When you're hungry, the most important thing for you is to eat, not to right. be sitting and learning. Right. And, 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 um, it, it can look like behavioral problems in a classroom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
it can definitely look like behavioral problems, um, you know, before mealtime or on a Friday before, you know, the weekend is here or on a Monday when the kids are coming back in from a dysregulated environment, you know, yes. over over the weekend. Um, it can look like, you know, um, hoarding. It can look like, you know, kids who are trying to take food home or, um, you know, and, 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 and it, it's not so much a behavioral issue, but it's just really a food insecurity issue. And then some people, um, you know, when I tell them that there's there's a link with food insecurity and obesity, um, mm -hmm. right? And I'm like, well, how can that be? Seems <laughs> counterintuitive. Right. Um, yeah. Food insecure, low income families, you know, they they're especially vulnerable um, because just of the challenges that they have. Right. Um, adopting um, the healthy behaviors, uh, limited resources, yeah. you know, lack of access, um, high levels of stress. Right. Um, and really just even opportunities for for physical activity. Yeah. So, you know, we we, um, you know, try and tell our parents about um, resources that are out there that could assist them with that. So it's programs like SNAP or WIG, um, child care food program, um, you know, our kids that are, attend our program, you know, we provide them the, the meals and snacks at no cost to our families. Um, you know, if our families let us know that they are in need, we'll help them find those resources. Um, and not just find those resources, but teach them, teach them about food budgeting, teach them about creating those meal plans. Um, I've done um, grocery shopping tours with our families, um, teaching them how to read food labels, teaching them how to read the labels at the grocery store to try and get the most food for their buck, right? Um, you don't always have to buy fresh produce. Sometimes it may work better for you to buy frozen produce. Frozen, yeah, uh, or even canned you don't vegetables or sometimes, can. right? Canned fruits and vegetables yeah. are often, not always, right, but often are an appropriate substitute. Correct. Right. Because yeah. you may not, you know, you may you may not be able to cook every single day and yeah. that's OK. Um, you can pre, you know, pre plan for the week um, and then save some up for the following day. So it, it really just depends on your family's schedule. Um, so but it, it can work. It just takes some some time and some planning. For sure. Sounds like there's a lot of good resources available as well that that families and even maybe pediatricians can help families um, kind of apply for and and see if um, they're appropriate. So I want to circle back on something that you said earlier on about cultural diversity and kind of how a family's cultural background may play into um, their their preferred meal plan. So how do you guys work with like cultural differences and food preferences and practices? Sure. We know that culture affects eating habits of kids, right? Uh, most children share food preferences similar to those of their parents because it's our parents who are, you know, who have been making food choices for us since we were since we were born, right? Um, so we know that families defer in their feeding practices and mealtime routines based on their cultural practices. So we know this. So with our work, we make sure that we increase our knowledge about um, cultural culturally responsive feeding practices. You know, we understand. We understand that um, we all come from different backgrounds, different cultures. So when parents say that their children cannot eat animal products because they are not halal, right? We need to have further discussion on what that means to your family, um, because what that means for one family may not necessarily mean the same for you. 
right? Um, so then we let that family know, well, these are the other things that we can offer. You know, we have fish, we have eggs, we have cheese, we have yogurt, we have beans, you know, things that are halal. Is, is this what you are talking about? Will this work for you? Um, we use culturally responsive language, you know, um, things like, you know, we, we, we would not say finish all the food on your plate, right? Um, but we might say, you know, you can stop eating when you feel full, right? So, so there's things that, you know, we may say in our own families that may sound okay because that's what we believe that may not necessarily sound the same to another family, yeah. right? Um, and like I said earlier, you know, we eat family style. Our teachers and our kids, we sit and enjoy the same the same meal at, at at our meal time, so it's it's a pleasant time. And then in our menus, you know, we um, we talk to our parents and we ask them, you know, what are the types of foods that you serve at home? So we try to incorporate that because we know the socioeconomic demographics of the families that we serve. So you know, we may have some arroz con pollo on the menus, tacos, stew chicken. We have you know um, beans and rice. We might have enchiladas. Um, we've put um, jerk chicken on the menu, um, not highly seasoned because we are serving three-year-olds, but, um, you know, some green beans, some pigeon peas, you know, the diverse menu. Sounds amazing. It sounds like really wonderful programming. I, I think Head Start in any place is, is really phenomenal, but it sounds like you guys are really doing exceptional work. So um, we covered a lot of ground. This was amazing. We did. Any, we, we did. Um, any key takeaways, anything that you really want like parents and caregivers to kind of walk away from here, like knowing and feeling empowered about? Well, um, I know earlier we had said, you know, it is March, it's National Edition Month, and the the theme for this year is fuel for your future. So the message is that no matter what our age is, no matter what our activity level is, making those healthy food and drink choices provides our bodies with energies now and fuel for the future, right? Um, we can buy foods in, that are in season, um, shop local when possible, right? Um, try to enjoy more plant-based meals and snacks, right? Um, and when you buy foods in season, that helps you save money right? <laughs> Which is a big plus. So yes. There's a lot of choices out there that we can make that are filling, yeah, keeps us nourished and costs less overall. So just a little bit of planning before you shop that can go in a long way um, in choosing those foods that um, are affordable and satisfying for our whole family. I love that. Fuel for your future. Fuel for your future. It's fantastic. Okay. Well, Mavis, thank you so much. This was amazing. And really, you guys are doing amazing work. I, I'm so impressed and wish you guys all, all the best to continue that amazing impact that you're that you're making in your community. Thank you for inviting me. Yes. Make sure you like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you for joining us on Kids Doc Talk.